want to start with a story. Um, it's a story that Robert Morris tells in his book, The God I Never Knew. We've been in this series um, talking about the Holy Spirit now for multiple weeks. And a lot of our content is coming from that book, The God I Never Knew by Robert Morris. And so he tells the story about a poor man. He lived in Eastern Europe in the early 1900s, and he wanted to get out of that place. He wanted to move to America to have a better life for his family. So he scrapes and scrounges all his money together, and he has enough money to buy one ticket. And so him and his wife decide, we're going to send you. The husband's going to go first. Um, he's going to go there. He's going to make a life for himself, get established, get enough money. And at that point, then his wife and the kids, the, the family will follow. So he buys that one third class ticket and he has just enough money to have just a little bit of food for the trip. It's a 12 day trip on a big ship. And so he buys a hard, a hard thing of cheese, one hard thing of cheese and one box of crackers. And he's planned it out so he can ration it to last over those 12 days. So he boards the ship and he does this each day. He rations, rations it out and eats a little bit of the cheese and a little bit of the crackers. And sometimes he finds himself peering in the window where all the other passengers are eating their hearty meals. And he goes back to his little room and he just eats his cheese and crackers because he's got a goal. So on the last day, everyone on the boat, everyone on the ship is super excited because they're about to see the Statue of Liberty. They're about to see Ellis Island and the port where all the immigrants get to come to finally enter America. Thankfully so, because the day before he just ran out of his last portion of food and uh, cheese and crackers. So before he was leaving the boat, he was talking to one of the stewards on the ship and they were talking about how excited they were to be on the new land. And, um, and the steward tells him, Hey, I have a question for you. I don't mean to pry, but I noticed that you didn't take any of your meals with all the fellow passengers in the dining hall. I just want to make sure that we didn't offend you. And, he, and the man says, oh my goodness, no, you didn't offend me. Everyone's been so gracious. I was just saving what little bit I had for the food that I had. And then the little bit of extra money that I had. So when I get there, I can get established and start the new life for my family to come. The steward's expression of confusion became one of shock and dismay when the meaning of this man's words began to sink in. Oh, my dear friend, the steward said. Did you not know that three meals a day were provided when you bought your ticket to the ship? We set a place for you at the table every single time, but you never came. Of course, the man didn't know until it was too late, and the opportunity for blessing and provision and his journey were forever missed. When I read this story in the book, my heart, my heart was sad. And when it's funny, Cadence and I were talking about the story and she was like, don't tell that story. It's so sad. And I was like, I know it's so sad. And she said, does the story have a happy ending? And I was like, well, no, it doesn't. It doesn't have a happy ending. The man lost all those meals. He could have had a hearty meal three days, three times a day for 12 days. And he just had his little ration of cheese and crackers. The reason I wanted to share that story today is because I feel like many Christians live like this. They live on a life of cheese and crackers. It's cheese and crackers Christianity, right? It's, it's rationing, it's saving, it's providing for ourselves. And I would like to relay this to the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is a gift to us. We got him as a gift when we accepted Jesus into our hearts. The Holy Spirit was a gift that was given to us. He's supposed to journey in life with us. 
And the Bible says it was better that Jesus left so that the Holy Spirit could come and it was to our advantage, right? So if he's to our advantage, my question today is why do so many of us not allow the Holy Spirit in our life? Why do we keep him at arm's length? Why do we not pull up to the table? So do you find yourself sometimes looking through the window, seeing everyone else eating their hearty meal while you're eating cheese and crackers? Is it sometimes like you think, well, hearing God is for all the other people. It's for the super spiritual people. Well, they've walked with God longer than me, so they can hear from God. Or do you find yourself saying, I wish I had a closer relationship with God or the Holy Spirit like they do? How do they walk in the anointing and that power? Wow, their faith must be really great. They can totally trust God. How do they have joy and navigate hard seasons as if it's not even hard, even though it is? They must be more favored than me. God must like them more. They have a bigger calling. They have a bigger anointing. It's fine. I'll eat my cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers Christianity, you guys. This is not how it's supposed to be. The Holy Spirit is for you and me. It's for the itty-bitty kids. They don't get a miniature Holy Spirit. They get the same power and anointing and revelation and everything that the Holy Spirit has to offer. It's for all of us. You don't have to earn your way up or climb up some spiritual ladder. It's not a merit to be, to be got or received or, or earned, right? So I think in order for us to go from that cheese and crackers Christianity to a life filled with the Holy Spirit, we need to understand who the Holy Spirit is. So let's start with who the Holy Spirit is not. He is not a merit badge. He is not something earned. You can't jump through certain hoops and do certain things and then poof, you've earned the Holy Spirit. Yay. That's not how it works. You can't behave enough or follow the rules enough to earn the Holy Spirit or gain the Holy Spirit, right? You do not have to do that. He is not for a select few. He's not for just the pastors or, or the preachers or the spiritual teachers or the worship leaders or the person who spends this amount of time in the Bible or the person who does their devotions every morning. The Holy Spirit is available for everyone. Everyone. He's a gift from the Father. There's so many scriptures on this. He's a gift from the Father and he's a gift from Jesus. And we receive him by faith, just like we did with our salvation. So the next point, in order to know who the Holy Spirit is, we need to know that the Holy Spirit is a person, okay? We did a whole series, I think it was, I don't know, can't be a decade ago because our church is a decade ago, but it had to be closely after that, so maybe eight years ago or something. We did a long series on Holy Spirit, wonderful, not weird, that was the title of the long series, and we broke this down. So if you want to go back, and there were several um, sermons that were on this, about the fact that the Holy Spirit is a person. This is a whole series on itself, but I just want to touch on it today. The Holy Spirit has a will. He has emotion. He has a soul and he has a voice. There are so many scriptures. I know some of those things sound where you're like, the Holy Spirit doesn't have a soul. The Holy Spirit doesn't have emotions. Like that's so weird. He does. And there are so many scriptures. I would encourage you to go study that. Or if you want to reach out to us, I could definitely pass along some scriptures for you to study. So how do we know he's a person? In John 15, 26, here's what it says. But when the helper comes, who shall I send to you from the Father? The spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify of me. 
And let's go right into the next one, John 16, 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you of things to come. I love these scriptures. It's obviously he has a voice. He can listen. He can speak, right? He is spoken of as a distinct person, not as a quality, not as a property, not as some weird thing. It's, it's a person, the person of the Holy Spirit. It says he will testify. He will guide. He will hear. He will speak. Let me ask you this. On the day of Pentecost, those believers who were in the upper room, what were they waiting for? Who were they waiting for? They were waiting for a person, right? They were waiting for a person. They were not waiting on a power or an ability. They were all waiting and waiting and praying and waiting for a person. The power came in the person of the Holy Spirit. That is where the power came in, in the person of the Holy Spirit. So back to the cheese and crackers idea, cheese and crackers Christianity. Why do we settle for cheese and crackers when we can have a hearty meal? Why do we settle for mediocre lives when we can flow and operate in the gifts of the spirit in the fruit, have the fruit and the evidence of the Holy Spirit in our lives, operate in that anointing and that blessing. Why do we think the Holy Spirit is only real and active to certain people or available to a select few? Why do we not believe that the Holy Spirit is who Jesus said that he is? Jesus said, it is better that I go so that the Holy Spirit can come. If I don't go, he can't come. Jesus says, it is better that I go so the Holy Spirit can come. And we're saying, nope, Holy Spirit, right here. Right? Even though we know Jesus said it's better and that he's good and he just said all, he prophesied and he spoke all the things about the Holy Spirit to warn us, to let us know, to give us um, a guide so that we knew when he came, we knew that it was him and that he was sent from the father. He gave us everything that we needed to know. And then the Holy Spirit comes and we keep him at arm's length, right? Or we shut the door completely or we let him in a little, right? I think the big reason in our lack of under, is understanding and revelation. We don't know who he really is. So we're going to go through the benefits and these aren't all of them, but these are some of the benefits and blessings of the Holy Spirit that I really love. And we're going to have a slide that will just have kind of the title of what the blessing or benefit is. And then the scripture. So if you're a note taker or you want to go study this out a little bit later, just jot down the references that are listed there. I'm not going to read them all because there's a bunch of them, um, but then you can go kind of search this out later. So the first benefit and the blessing of the Holy Spirit is gifts. The Holy Spirit gives us gifts. Hebrews 2.4. It speaks of this in Romans 12.6-8. In 1 Corinthians 12.1-10. And 14.1. So one of the benefits and blessings is gifts. The second one I want to touch on this morning is comfort. The Holy Spirit, we had a whole message on this a couple of weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is our comforter. You can find that in 1 Corinthians 14, 3. You can also find that in John 14, 18. 
The next one, we also had a, a whole sermon on this a couple weeks ago. The Holy Spirit is our helper. One of the benefits and the blessings that we have as believers because of the Holy Spirit is that he's our helper. He helps us. You can find that in John 14, verse 16 through 17. The next one I really like, it's, I'm just titling it prayer help. He gives us help in our prayers. This is found in Romans 8, 26 and 1 Corinthians 14, 15. Another benefit and blessing of the Holy Spirit is liberty. Another word for liberty is freedom. He gives us freedom and liberty in Christ Jesus. That's found in Romans 8, 2 and 2 Corinthians 3, 17. Another one that I love, because I'm always trying to gain wisdom and understanding, is he gives us spiritual wisdom. And that is found in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 6 through 12. We've got just a couple more. The next one is counsel and guidance. How many of us need counsel and guidance uh, every day, right? This can be found in John 16, 13 and Acts 16, 6. Part of the reason I'm going through all of these and giving you all these scriptures is because I want you to know who the Holy Spirit is because you've looked it up, because you've studied it, because you've asked God to show you who he is. Not because I've said it, but it's in the word of God, right? The next one is power. This is one we all like, right? The Holy Spirit gives us power. In Acts 1.8, you will find that. In Acts 10.38. In 1 Thessalonians 1, 5, and also in Romans 15, 13. The next one, um, this is another one that Mark did a sermon on recently in the last few weeks, conviction. The Holy Spirit comes to convict us of our sin, right? John 16, verse 8 through 11. The next one, we're almost done. The next one is fruit. All the kids should still remember this one, right? Galatians 5, 22 and 23, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we have the Holy Spirit in our life, that's the fruit. Also found in Ephesians 5, 9, that we bear fruit with the Holy Spirit. All right, the last one I want to touch on today, and this is kind of where I'm honing in, is fellowship. Philippians 2, 1, and 2 Corinthians 13, 14. So God's anointing, his gifts, his power, all of these things that we just talked about are the manifestation of a person, of the Holy Spirit operating in our lives. So I'd like to read to you the apostolic benediction that Paul writes to the church of Corinth in his second letter. It's that scripture that we just read, or that I just referenced, 2 Corinthians 13, 14. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. The communion of the Holy Spirit, that was the third thing. That word communion is koinonia. It means partnership, fellowship, communion, participation, and sharing. So in that last part of that scripture, and the communion of the Holy Spirit and the partnership and the fellowship and the communication 
participation and the sharing of the Holy Spirit. That's what Paul is saying. And guess what, guys? We're supposed to have all three of these things. The grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit. I think that third one gets left out all the time. I think we think it's an add-on or an extra. Some people get it. Some people don't. I don't want it. I'll take the first two, but not the third one. Some people think it's only a benefit, like it's that hearty meal that they didn't get on their ticket. It's not true. We are supposed to have communion with the Holy Spirit. Let me ask you this. Do you know anybody? It's probably not you, but it's probably somebody else that you could think of, right? That always kind of whines or always wants friends. They want to be included and they want to have those those people they can dialogue with and do life with, but they, they don't really have friends, but they're not really willing to do what it takes to have friends. Do you know anybody like that? So they long for the dinners or the bike rides or working out with somebody in the morning or the conversations when life is hard, but they're not really willing to like carve out any time. They're not really willing, you know, they'll talk about the weather or the Broncos or the Raiders Um, but they're not really willing to talk about anything deeper than that. Like, how are you doing? How's your heart? How's your marriage? I know you're grieving right now. What can I do? Can we pray together? Like that? mm -mm. They don't want any of that. Therefore, they don't really have a lot of friends or they have surface level friends, but it's not feeling that, filling that hole and the emptiness in their life. That word koinonia is a powerful word. And guess what? We're not just supposed to have communion with the Father and with the Holy Spirit and with Jesus. We're supposed to have communion, that same word, koinonia, with each other. Isn't that powerful? We are supposed to participate. We're supposed to engage. We're supposed to commune. We're supposed to share life with those people that God put in our lives. And guess what? That's hard. That takes time. That takes effort. That takes vulnerability. That takes intimacy. That takes effort, right? But that's God's way. He wants us to do life together. Think about all the scriptures that talk about celebrating together and grieving together and rejoicing when somebody's rejoicing and and being sad when somebody's sad, having that empathy and walking the journey together. That's koinonia. The Holy Spirit is wonderful. He's not weird. I can't imagine my life without the Holy Spirit. I wake up and I talk to him and I go to bed and I talk to him and during the day I talk to him and it's silly. I can't find a parking spot and I'm like, hey, where's the parking spot? From the silly things all the way to the the most spiritual, intimate, vulnerable moments where I'm just, you know, just giving my heart to him, pouring out my heart when I'm angry or I'm asking questions. It's the Holy Spirit. It's that koinonia. It's that communion. It's that relationship. It's me and him and him and me. It's not a one way where I'm just pouring out my heart. And then you've had that friend that you pour out your heart and you tell them everything. And then when, when they're going through hard stuff, they tell you nothing. And you're like, well, that's great. You know, all my stuff. And you just tell me you had peanut butter and jelly for lunch. And that's it. Right? That is not the Holy Spirit. He shares with us. He communes with us. We, we share with him and he shares with us. We speak to him and he speaks to us, right? 
It's, it's a relationship. It's a partnership. He's our comforter, our helper, our friend, our guide, our counselor, our compass. Have you ever noticed when you get a little bit off, you can feel it. And other people might even say, are you, are you all right? You seem a little off. And you're like, I'm fine. It's like something's off. The Holy Spirit is our compass. When that happens, run into the arms of the Holy Spirit and ask him to show you, to speak to you. And guess what? He's that compass and he will direct you due north right again, right back to God. He's our discernment. Parents, I know we need this one, discernment, right? We need discernment. We need to know what's going on. We need wisdom. These are the things that the Holy Spirit does. I love that scripture when it says he leads us into all truth. Let's take a look at that scripture now. It's John 16, 13. It says, however, when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you of things to come. Don't you love that? Why would we not want this? Why would we not want the Holy Spirit who leads us into all truth? I might not be the sharpest pencil in the box, but there are times that I'm like, I don't know. I don't know what to do. I don't know which way to go. I don't know what to say. I don't know what decision to make. I don't, there's so many things I don't know. The Holy Spirit knows all things, all things. And like I said before, I ask him the silliest of things and I ask him the most life-changing of things because he knows all things. And I love that he doesn't speak on his own authority. He speaks what he hears the father saying. That's what he speaks. First John 4.13. It says, by this we know we abide in him and he in us because he has given us his spirit. John 14, 16. I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper that he may abide with you forever. Both of these scriptures use that same word abide. We know that we abide in him and he in us. And the next one says that he may abide with you forever. That word abide is to dwell. He will dwell with us forever. The reason that he can abide in us, the Holy Spirit can reside and dwell in us is because Jesus sanctified us. Before Jesus sanctified us, we were not holy. We were not holy. But when Jesus sanctified us, he died on the cross for us. The Holy Spirit then abides in us. It's powerful, you guys. In John 14, 16, when it said, he will give you another helper. That word is one besides or another of the same, right? So we had Jesus and he was saying, God's going to give you another helper. So he's going to give you another of the same, right? He had to leave. So the Holy Spirit, another of the same could come. So to me, koinonia is intimacy. If you know, if you've hung out with me, if you've had talks with me about the Lord, about my life, I like intimacy. I like getting in there. I like doing life together. I like spending time with God and learning more about him. <coughs> Excuse me. I like not just having surface conversations. 
I like exploring with the Lord. I like asking him to come in and dwell with me and to speak to me. So why are we so afraid to have communion with the Holy Spirit? Because we have to be raw. We have to be vulnerable. It's easy to be like, what's up, God? Like he's over there and he's taking care of everything. But I'm talking about intimacy. Excuse me. I don't have coronavirus. Just coughed. It's that intimacy, right? And you can have intimacy with God too. But I think sometimes we we refer to God as this lofty thing that everybody can associate with. But the Holy Spirit, not so much. It's that vulnerability. So why do we shy away and run away from that? Are we afraid? Do we think it's weakness? I think sometimes it's because we try to control our lives. Sometimes we think if we give and surrender to the Holy Spirit, we lose all control of our lives, right? Sometimes we think the Holy Spirit is unpredictable and he will make us look like fools. Sorry. I got a little tickle in my throat. But it's actually the opposite of this. We learned this today, right? He is wonderful. He is kind. He's wise. He's considerate. He's thoughtful. He knows what the Father's thinking and he says what he hears. Galatians 5.22, the fruit of the Spirit. So if you have the Holy Spirit living in you, this, these are the things that we should see from your life. Love. Joy. Peace. Patience. That's a tricky one. Kindness. Could we use more kindness in today's age? Absolutely. Goodness. Faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. You guys, if we think of the riots and all the racial tension and all the bitterness and all the hatred and the coronavirus and all the fear, not on top of everything else that's already there, right? Just the things that are going on right now. Gosh, we need the fruit of all these things. We need the Holy Spirit. So what does fellowship with the Holy Spirit look like? Koinonia, partnership, fellowship, communion, participation, and sharing. To me, this is surrender. You guys, I surrender to God daily, if not multiple times a day. I really do. I really do. It's not a one time. It's I surrender to you. I get frustrated or I try to control. I surrender to you. I think of how I'm going to achieve something, how I'm going to do it. And the Lord's like, give it to me. Surrender. It's trusting God even when you don't understand. We sing a song about that and I cry every time. Trusting God when we don't understand, when we don't understand his ways, when we don't understand his answers, right? We trust him. We listen. Are you a good listener when the Holy Spirit is speaking? Maybe you're like, I've never heard him speak in my whole life. That's fair. I want to encourage you to ask him to speak to you. He's faithful to speak to you. Koinonia, to be honest. Are your prayers pretty little prayers in a box? that anybody could say, Lord, bless my day. When our kids were growing up, they'd be like, Jesus, bless my day. Thank you for my dad. Bless my friend at school. You know, and we'd be like, that's great, babe. Let's try again. Let's let's dig a little deeper. What are you really thankful for? What what do you really want from God? What what is your heart's cry for God? And not that their prayer was wrong. 
but trying to get their heart to connect to God in that real intimate, personal way, right? They always tell you, like, when you're setting goals, you shouldn't be like, um, or when you're doing your gratitude journal, you know, don't just say, I'm thankful for my family, because everyone can say that. That's so general. It's painting with a really broad brush, right? So they always say, instead of saying that, say, I'm thankful for my husband's boisterous laugh. I'm thankful for my son's um, caring heart, right? So to kind of fine tune, and I think we need to do that with the Holy Spirit. It's getting honest with him about what we want or what we need or what we're thankful for. Creating space, koinonia, creating space for that intimacy. For me, this is getting on the piano. This is journaling. This is going on a bike ride or a walk and saying, when I'm on my bike ride, I'm talking to God. I'm asking the Holy Spirit to speak to me. I'm not just going to listen to my music that I always have. I'm going to be focused and I'm going to ask God to speak to me, right? You can do that in a million ways. Create space for him. Cultivate awareness. I think sometimes we just go about our business and we don't even realize he's speaking to us all day. All day he's speaking to us. Sometimes it's like, oh, just like a little, like fine tune your ear, fine tune your heart. Oh, that was the Holy Spirit. I'm going to listen to that. Invite and engage. What do you want to say? What do you want to do? When you wake up in the morning, God, what's on your heart today? Holy Spirit, what are you speaking today? When you meet with a friend for coffee, we'll catch up. We'll talk about our jobs. We'll talk about our kids. We'll talk about our life. Is there something that you want me to say to them? Is there something that you want me to hear that they're saying that they're not saying? Right? It's obedience. The love language of Christ is obedience. The love language of God is obedience. Being grounded in scripture. You guys, this is huge. I think sometimes Christians can get off in the weird side, if you will, because they're not grounded in scripture. They begin to like go over here and they kind of create their own stuff because the Holy Spirit and they just go over here. Well, if God's going over there, then go. But if, if scripture's here and you're going over there, you better get back over here and line up with the word of God. And the only way you're going to know that is if you're in the word of God. You have apps, you have audio books, you have audio Bibles. I mean, we have more resources than anyone in the history of mankind. Get in the word of God, get grounded. Uh, just a, a last few things. Our relationship with the Holy Spirit should be natural and life-giving. It shouldn't be some striving hard thing. It should become a natural part, just like we're breathing the air. In and out, we don't think about it. I don't try to breathe. I just breathe. It's just part of how God made me. It's how part of God made you. We breathe in and we breathe out, right? We're breathing the Holy Spirit in and we're breathing him out. And he's with us all day long. So I want to encourage you today to leave your cheese and crackers. You might really like your cheese and crackers. You've come, become accustomed to them. They're good. They, they fill your belly. It's what you got. But I want to encourage you to pull up to the table that the Lord has set for you. Leave your cheese and crackers and see what God has for you. Does he have a hearty meal sitting on that table that you can feast upon? It's his free gift of the Holy Spirit. It's his love. It's his joy. It's his peace. It's his patience. It's his goodness, his faithfulness, his gentleness, his self-control. He is kind. He cares for you. He's not mad at you. He loves you. He wants to tell you things. He wants to warn you about things. Has the Holy Spirit ever done that where he's like, mm, don't do that. Don't make that decision. Don't hang out with that person or don't go there. He's faithful. He only 
speaks what he hears the Father saying. You can rest that he is sure-footed. He is the person of the Holy Spirit, and he is part of the Trinity, and he is good, and he's accessible for you. He's not part of the package that you didn't get. He's yours. If you've accepted Christ, the Holy Spirit is yours. Amen? Amen.